so yeah, looking through everything uh, from this year, it was a hell of a 2022. Illinois, Missouri, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Utah, Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Kentucky, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Tennessee, Alabama, Florida. Not bad. <laughs> we actually covered a lot. We covered so much that some of our trips... I thought we're done in 2021. <laughs> I know. Plus, I also, I don't know if you went anywhere without me, but I was also in Massachusetts with Ellie this year. Oh, no. Oh, no. I don't. That was actually just back in March. Wow. I know. It It feels like, like we're going to talk about our trip to Dubai. I keep telling everyone it was in 2021. It was just in March this past year, which is so insane. So we've covered... How many states total is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen for me, and then we're going back to California. Okay, so, so seventeen for you, sixteen for me, three countries: Canada. Uh, yeah, we did Canada, Mexico, and then um, UAE. Yeah, that's crazy. So all in all, in one year. But I think it's appropriate. We left the very best for last. We did. So let's get going on the Dubai episode. What do you say? I say let's do it. It's a lot of good stuff to talk about. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. Hey, listeners. Ever wonder what it would be like to sell everything and travel the country at the tender age of 50? Well, with our last kid off to college and the ability to now work remotely, we've decided to do just that. So we're selling the house loading up the dog and hitting every city from California to Florida. We're scouring the country for a new place to call home and dragging you into every restaurant, Airbnb and tourist trap we encounter along the way. This is the Skip Town All-Stars podcast. Welcome back All-Stars. Welcome to another episode of Skip Town All-Stars. Very special uh, capper to a fantastic year in travel for Denise and I. Uh, we cannot wait. We have absolutely been sitting on this one for a while. So long. In fact, we had to actually go back and do research. <laughs> we did. We normally don't like to have scripts when we're doing podcasts. Sometimes we will if we have a guest. Uh, sometimes we will if the trip was really long, like Texas. I think we had a little outline just because we didn't want to miss anything. There's so many damn cities there. Yeah. Yeah. But for Dubai, we actually had to do a strong outline, meaning like we had to really remind ourselves of everything we experienced because we did so much in the eight days that we were there. So you're going to see us glancing at notes once in a while if you're watching us on YouTube because uh, we've got <laughs> two pages of notes of everything that we experienced in Dubai. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it was an amazing trip and we took it at the beginning of 2022. We took it in March of 2022, long before we... Thought yeah. we were going to move. We did not yeah. even know we were going to move at that point. Yeah, I was going to say, let's set the table. Like we uh, knew Ellie was graduating and we had plans of putting the house up for sale later that year. Probably. Or maybe even 2023. Yeah. It was like very loose. So this is all like pre-skip towning. Um, it is pre-skip towning, but it's funny because when I look back on my Instagram photos and my videos, 
We like to document trips. I have so many photos. You would have thought that we were podcasting about our trip there with the photos and videos I took. So there's going to be a lot to share on social media when, um, you know, when this drops and you check out our Instagram and our Facebook and uh, our TikToks. We'll have a lot of photos from Dubai. And this was pre-Skip Town. Yeah. I mean, it was just such a unique experience that I felt like we were skirting the line a lot between having our phones out and actually just experiencing it. I know. Um, we were. There were sections where I was like, put your phone away, like just be in this moment. You know, um, it's obviously a foreign country, but it's such a foreign experience. Um, I guess let's just jump into the Dubai episode, right? Okay, let's do it. I uh, was fortunate enough to work for a woman, Lily. Uh, a few years back, I got a producer credit for doing a documentary for her company, Hollywood Immersive. Uh, real quick, she brings uh, young actors and actresses in from all over the world to have the full-blown Los Angeles Hollywood experience where they're doing scene work on stage. They meet agents. They meet casting uh, directors. They meet any and everybody in that week. It really is immersive, which is why it's called Hollywood Immersive, but it's just an intensive eight-day thing. And they're living in sort of a villa all with each other. Uh, obviously, and these are all actor wannabes. They are all actually somewhat established actors in their own country. So, oh, nice. Okay. Uh, there was a gentleman from Poland there, a couple Aussies, uh, a guy and a girl. There was a kid who had the community fundraise for him in, I forget what part of Africa, I want to say Ghana, but I think that is probably incorrect. Um, but uh, Carlos came all the way from Africa. Uh, there were uh, obviously some Brits, um, maybe a few, I guess more than a few Aussies. So I had the fortune to um, work on that show. Basically track them for a week. Yeah. And produce a documentary on it. You can see it. It's Hollywood immersive. It's on Amazon. It's not on prime. It's on Amazon video direct. Um, she at the time was, you know, shopping around trying to make it a yearly thing. And then of course COVID hit. Uh, so yeah. naturally that, uh, threw everybody's life upside down, including, uh, her intentions with Hollywood Immersive. I hope that she reboots it in the future. However, as we'll get into this episode, uh, she has a bunch of new opportunities that actually arose from her in Dubai. Uh, and so anyway, I produced that documentary for her and we, uh, you know, had always kept in touch. It was a great working relationship. I really uh, admired and respected her and her partner, Simon. Now, Simon uh, does these mega events all over the world. And among them was the World Expo. Uh, I think he had done it one time prior, but he was handling all of the merchandise outlets for the World Expo in Dubai in 2022. But wasn't he also handling um, the USA um, he, building? Yeah. Or, uh, do you call it a tent? It's because a pavilion. Pavilion, that's yeah. the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, for those of you who, I'm sure a lot of people kind of have an idea of what it, what, what it is, but the World Expo, basically every country on earth uh, has the opportunity to join in this world fair, this world expo, and create an experience that tells people, travelers from all over the world, sort of what their so country is all about. Yeah. So, like we, like one of our first pavilions we went into was like the Azerbaijan. Oh, remember yeah. with the horses everywhere yes, and all that. Yes. And it was really simple. Uh, display we would find later in comparison to some of the others. Yeah. But it was just so cool to like be able to see, 
you know, these people put together these cultural things that, you know, the average rank and file American has no clue, you know? Yeah. Give you an idea of their food, of their dress, of their weather, of their housing, yeah. of their, um, of their commerce. It was really quite interesting. So you go to each pavilion and you learn something. And what I thought was really cool too is most pavilions now, not all of them, but most of them did offer a little cafe and you can yeah. order the fare of that country yeah. there. So I thought that was pretty cool. The Americans, of course, had burger and fries. Of course. <laughs> and I pizza mean, and hot dogs. Even though pizza isn't our thing, they did have pizza or maybe they had chicken fingers. I think they had yeah. chicken fingers. Yeah, it was Other all Other than TV shows, I mean, like that's the best thing we could ever offer it anyone really in the world, right? <laughs> Burgers like and fries, burger. for sure. And so, uh, you know, Simon, uh, Lily's partner all these years, has his own company that basically does the merchandising. And like you said, he was in charge of the actual experience, um, for lack of a better word, of the U.S. pavilion. And that includes everything from the lighting to the digital displays, to the history, to the every single ounce of the exhibit, every, uh, every um, person working there has to be vetted by the State Department. Oh, yeah. There were a lot of hurdles they had to jump through to get that pavilion well, going. Well, the State Department had, the president actually had to sign off on it, if I remember yeah. correctly. And Lily said that the State Department uh, was very much involved, like in every aspect of what was on display. Yeah. So Lily obviously was with him for uh, the bulk of the time there, almost I, probably from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. She uh, was. I remember her telling us And that. we, uh, you know, learned from her that immediately upon arriving there i mean there was you know it was like they were still in the process of building the apartments for the people who would eventually come to work there uh the smaller hotels or the the whole area around that place it's like an olympic village yeah. i mean in that they have housing for all the workers and guests that want to come and visit so literally they built housing just for this world fair. Yeah. It's like uh also like uh right now we're we're watching the World Cup in Qatar. And so uh all these buildings and infrastructure and everything um down to, you know, where are people getting their water. Uh it's all sort of designed years in advance. Simon was on board early on to do so everything when I say merchandising, I mean if it says World Expo 2022 a sweatshirt, a t-shirt, a whatever, a, trinket. A, hat, a coffee mug, you name it. It came from one of Simon's shops. And Lily was involved with not just logistics, helping him out with those things and helping him out with the U.S. pavilion, but also she was running the media department in charge of sort of chronicling this whole endeavor mm -hmm. um, by him. And yes. so- uh, Long story short, uh, because of my work with Lily and, you know, adjacently Simon in the past, uh, she was so generous to just call me up in March and say, hey, I would really, I know I've mentioned to you coming out here to see what's going on. I would really love it if you would be my guest. Now, I work in production, uh, television production, but everybody here knows I'm on the post side. So I never get a phone call to go visit a location, like ever. I, If you're a camera operator or director of photography, you get calls all the time like, hey, we need to do a tech scout or we need to do a location mm -hmm. scout or whatever. I don't get those calls in my profession. So uh, when the call came in, it came in right in the section of like, 
I had already planned a trip to Massachusetts and to go see Utah, I believe, with Mia and then Massachusetts so Ellie could look at a school for volleyball. And I was just wrapping up a job and there were all these things going on. Uh, But when I said to you that I had gotten her email, you were like, we got to do this. Uh, He told me about the email that Lily had sent. And then his, his immediate answer was, I don't know if I can do this, meaning like time frame, like how are we going to put a trip into Dubai when a flight is 16 hours and he already has like a full schedule for March? And I just said, you're going to have to cancel something. Yeah. And I did. <laughs> and I'm so glad I did. Uh, yeah. And so there were, uh, I think I was working at a place and they just let me off the hook earlier. They're like, yeah, go ahead, do what you got to do. I cleared my schedule and Lily's colleague, Adam, called me to start booking our flights. She actually gave us an allowance, which was really generous Very for our sweet. flights. Yeah. And included me because she easily could have just said, hey, James, you want to come out? But the fact that she invited me it was so nice. Oh, yeah. It's a very important detail. Yeah, yeah you were invited as well. Yeah, she paid for me too. Uh-huh. <laughs> she did. She, she did. absolutely she did. Paid, and she did not have to do that. She did not. You're sweet. right. Um, yeah. And so uh, we were thrilled. And I was talking with Adam and I actually had chosen out flights on uh, Qantas Airlines and he quickly got back to me and he was like, no player, like you're going Emirates. <laughs> so, and I had no idea what the difference was. I just knew it was a hell of a long flight. We were going to lose a day of travel on one side and a day of travel on the other. Um, the other thing that was pressing on us was the World Fair ended on like March 30th or the very last day of March. We were already in the beginning of March at this point. So we we really had to like book fast, figure it out and everything. Um, Adam was super cool called me back and just said, no, we're going to book you on Emirates. It's about the same price. Um, If there's a little difference in when you can leave or not, you guys can pay the difference. No big deal. So he did. And I'm so glad we did because he did. Because uh, when we got to LAX, we had the option to go into the Emirates lounge. Let's talk about about how LAX sucks and then how awesome the Emirates lounge is. Oh yeah. LAX is a dump. So you've heard it from presidents. You've heard it from everyone that if you fly into LAX, it's a complete and utter dump and it is. And then when you go to other countries, you really realize what a dump it is. But the Emirates Lounge is clutch, like seriously (laughs) amazing. Like, so Emirates Lounge was like just something that a friend had said to me on a passing. She knew I was going to Dubai and she said, oh, you have, are you flying Emirates? And I said, yes. And she goes, okay, you have to go to the Emirates Lounge. Um, generally the way it works for the Emirates lounge is I think if you're flying business or first class, it's obviously included. If you're flying coach, then you have to pay, um, I think it's a hundred dollars per person. Yeah. Uh, it was super reasonable. That sounds really expensive. $200 to sit in a lounge. But when you see and walk in and eat all the food they have, it is for sure reasonable. They have showers in there. They have beautiful leather couches that people were laying on who were waiting for, you know, a flight that maybe was going to take five hours. They were on an over, you know, an overlay. What do you call it? Layover. 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 Yeah. So, um, the food was incredible. I mean, the food- It was food, like five-star dining. It was, and then they had like all different kinds of beverages and drinks you could want. Um, we were the riffraff for sure. Like everyone that was in that lounge, <laughs> there's no question. Everyone that was in that lounge was like decked out from head to toe. Yeah, they're, guys in suits. Yeah, they're all flying business or first and we legit were the riffraff. But you know what? I was so happy to be, I was happy they let us in. Like, honestly, that was like one of the best advices I was given on that trip. There were several good tips that was in the top five, no question, like Emirates Lounge. Then we did it on the way back at the Dubai airport. 
oh my gosh, so whatever I'm explaining to you about the LAX experience, just throw that in the trash because the Dubai experience was like the four seasons at the airport. Yeah. And it was not just um, a lounge. It it encompassed, I want to say like the whole airport. I, I don't know the distance that it encompassed, but it was massive. It seemed like the lounge had its own level across the body of the airport. Yeah. yeah I, I, that's what it felt like. I you, mean, that's where their hub is. So naturally- in the Emirates Lounge in LA, they had a, you know, it was one room eating area. No, this was, you can go to different rooms to eat. They had showers. Um, they had um, a, a play area for the kids, couches, like loungers everywhere. It's incredible. Yeah. Bartenders, all that. Yep. So um, TVs, yeah, whatever it, you want. It kind of puts whatever uh, United is doing at O'Hare to shame, right? Isn't <laughs> that their main hub? Yeah, that is their main hub. Yeah. yeah we can stop talking about that because that's a joke. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so uh, the flight is sixteen yeah, hours. So, let's so you want to get like you want to get well nourished and well refreshed um, with beverages of any whatever your choice is before you get on that flight. Now, you know Lily was awesome and generous, but she was not paying for us to fly first class or business. So we were handling this sixteen hour flight coach, which is something that I want to talk to everyone about because it's a decision that you can make. We had decided to fly straight through. I don't know if I would do that again. Um, the reason for that was because we only had eight days between when we were when we were able to leave and when the expo closed. You know, yeah, that was our so, fault. That was not something. Yeah, that, that had nothing to do. No, with. no, it was. Uh, it was you know a booking decision that James and I had discussed that would work in our schedule. So, um, but I would say. Unless you're going to fly business or first and who can really afford that? I mean, it's thousands of dollars where you lay down and you get foot massages and all of this crazy stuff. I would suggest stopping over in like London, in England, something like that. And that is something that we learned on the way meeting other travelers. Um, so many people had said to us that when they were flying a long distance, it seemed like Europe was the halfway point. So people would yep. stop spend three days in England or Paris or Germany and yeah, then Amsterdam, you name it. Yes. And we then, should have done that. We would have done that had conditions been a little different. Yeah. Because flying 16 hours in coach is brutal. Um, we, we did get up and walk around. Well, I certainly did. I didn't want my legs swollen. I don't yeah, want we, my th- we had to, I mean, everybody was doing yeah, it. Yeah. But on the way back, I was really bad. I did not do it. And I had really swollen cankles. Like I legitimately <laughs> had cankles when I got off that flight. Of course, like, you know, you have all the free movies and they're very, very good about bringing snacks around, ice cream, wet, to- like wet, warm towels for your hands or yeah. your face. But you're still on a 16 hour flight in coach with I swear like 300 people. Like it was a it was a big plane. It was a big jet. So um Yeah, I was going to say the service that we received was on par with like what you would expect on a Virgin Airlines or yep. you know yep. um and you know in terms of price point it was amazing to get like we're just not a, like we're just used to getting our nuts punched every time we get on a flight in the domestic United States. No frills, pay for your sandwich, all that stuff and it was like all uh, any almost anything we wanted was included in the price of the flight. It was great. Um, again, my recommendation though, stop, lay over for a couple of days in a beautiful country if you have the time yeah. and then make your finish your way to Dubai. Otherwise, when you get to Dubai, 
it's brutal. Your body aches for like a good day. You're really messed up. I mean, we were walking around the World Fair the first day and we were, you're foggy. And for any of you that have traveled overseas and on a long flight, you know what this means. Like you're legitimately foggy. Your senses aren't keen. We met with Lily the day that we got there. And I just remember I was just struggling to like not yawn, keep my eyes yeah. open and be clear when I spoke because I was literally walking in a fog. And uh, But let's rewind for one quick second before we get to us wandering aimlessly sharing a falafel yeah. <laughs> around the World Expo. And that is the most impressive thing about Emirates Airline was they got about four or 500 people on this plane in the span of 15 minutes and we were in the air. There was no bullshitting. There was like, everybody goes through, everybody's going through screening. I mean, it did look like, it looked like uh, the running of the bulls when we were getting on the plane, you know? It's true. And uh, everybody settled in and the next, like you and I were just sort of convert, like, oh, you know, like settling in, getting the seatbelt, figuring out we were fortunate enough on the way there. We didn't have anybody in the middle seat. And so oh, that's right. we had a little, we knew we were going to have a little extra space. And so we were just getting settled. And the next thing they know, they were like, no, really settle down. We're about to take off. And we were wheels up. We were out of there. It's the fastest I've ever left an airport after getting on a plane. Like I physically do think being that on a plane. foreign travelers, because we were with a lot of foreigners on that plane. Um, I would say as Americans, we were the minority. We're probably only 20% American, 80% from a different country. Yeah. Foreigners, I think, know how to travel. Yeah. They don't fool around. Like no. they're in and out, even with in Mexico. The plane was ready to go when we left. There yeah. was no it's like the Americans there were that no are people like, sh- like fishing you know, around no, yeah, with no. meal carts and no. all that stuff. And there Americans are like, you know, Sylvia, Sylvia, do you have my bag? And she's yeah. like, I have it, Ethel. And it's like, and while we're standing there waiting for them to get it overhead, and then you got some guy who's just talking in the middle of the aisle. Like Americans are so rude and they Sylvia. just think that like you should wait for them. And that's what holds up these, like all these foreign travelers were like, boom, boom, boom. They, they got in their seat. They threw their stuff up there. It was like, let's get, let's get rolling. Yep. It was like, let's roll. And we did. And so, uh, to your point, we got there late in the evening. We had, we had physically missed a day because of the time change. Like it's literally half the world away. Yep. So I think seven hour time difference. Yeah. So we got there really late at night and, uh, quickly. Meaning we're seven hours ahead in Dubai. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was like uh, Americans were still experiencing the 23rd of March and we were already on the 24th yeah. when we landed or whatever it was. It was actually kind of cool. Yeah, it was. It was awesome. So we land, we crash. I don't know. We had trouble sleeping, I think, if I remember right. Yep, but then, like did. you said, we woke up in a fog. We're wandering around. So Lily's like, okay, meet me over here. And uh, I believe we had to sign out of the hotel every single time we left. Is that true? No. Or no? Okay. Just so signed in the one time. The one time. Okay. And so... Um, and so the hotel, I say, was actually like a living space. It was basically an apartment for staff members. It was like a condo. It was like a 20-story building. We had, it was a two-bedroom, two-bath with yeah. a living room, television, kitchen. It was a legit apartment. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we went over, we got our credentials, got into the expo, all that business. And we were walking around. Um, we were starving at that point. Yeah, and, we were. And uh, we just ordered, I think it was like a Tarna wrap or something. Something from know. one it was of the so it was good, delicious. Yeah, My yeah. God. At that point, I mean, like we, but it was legitimately good. It wasn't just that we were starving. We yeah. le- got it from a like a shawarma food truck, and it was not like That's a shawarma yeah. that you get in 
in the States. It was yeah. so good. It wasn't like a crappy uh, Encino shawarma. No, uh, <laughs> it, it was, was a really good one. It was really good. Um, and so then we met with Lily at the Australian Pavilion, if I remember yep, right. Correct. Which they also had a hand. I think Simon was actually doing the merchandising for that. Okay. I don't think he was in charge of the Pavilion. Maybe I'm wrong. But I know he was definitely doing all the swag. Okay. Um, so anyway, we met her there. We talked for a little bit. She knew we were tired. She knew fully what to expect. And um, basically at that point, you know, I mean, the whole emphasis for me and meeting Lily there wasn't just like, hey, a pat on the back. Great job on my show. It was also like, we're chronicling this. We want you to be involved with the future production of whatever this thing becomes. Um, we want to do a whole piece on it. We're thinking maybe a Netflix show or whatever. Some of that stuff's been tabled now. There's just volumes and volumes of footage. There's a guy named Ben who I met, a uh, really nice guy um, who is from, I think he's from New Zealand. Mm -hmm. I think he's from Australia. Um, I thought it was New Zealand, but go ahead. New Zealand. So he's still slogging through all that stuff. And, you know, to be determined in 2023, I guess, what's going to happen well, with that. I but think that was I, the whole thrust of us being there. If I remember correctly, she said, we could have just sent you footage, but we really felt it's important yeah. for you to see the vastness of the World Fair, like the World Expo. You, it's, you know, you could see it. Look, you're going to, one day, if it happens, you'll obviously make others feel like they are there, but she really wanted yeah. you to be there to really get a feel. She kept saying, I want you to get a feel of what this is. Yeah. And, and an understanding of the whole operation. Yeah. It was I mean, pretty it was incredible because I- It was incredible. The magnitude of it. The magnitude of it. Yeah. yeah. That's, there was, you had to see it. It was, it was amazing. So uh, as we would find over the next day or two, uh, there were several pavilions, you know, it just depends, like if you're talking about industrialized nations, Germany, United States- uh, England, China, whatever, mm -hmm. like you, they would have massive sort of cornerstone pavilions. Um, oh, New Zealand's. It was the guy that did Lord Peter Jackson. It was incredible. Was that New Zealand's? Yeah. I thought that was, uh, I thought that was, a. Uh, I thought, I forget what that was. There was, okay. So I think you're right. Um, but there were also some cornerstone pavilions that talked about like, that were like more, Earth centric. Oh, for sure. In terms yeah, of, they had three I of thought them. his was one of them, but maybe not. Uh, I think you're you right. Could be right. You, you Cause actually because he, he had all those like sages with yeah, the big. You could be right. Like, he may not have done the New Zealand pavilion. I may be confusing it because he's from New Zealand. He may. He, I think he did one of the Earth pavilions, which is about. I think his. Pavilion. It was either time or history yeah. or something like that. Yes, yes, yes. You're right because there was like a history pavilion, a time pavilion, and like a water pavilion. Uh, or something. Yeah, like a um, uh, echo yes. pavilion. Yes, um, that was it. So those were kind of like the cornerstone ones, uh, which were fantastic. We didn't go in every single one of them. Frankly, oh, after can't. seeing Peter Jackson's, it was kind of like we went into one or two more, I think, and it was like nothing, nothing compares. You can't hit the world expo in a day anyway. No. So like, even if we, well, I mean, you have trouble hitting it in three or four days. I was going to say you would need like five days. Like, yeah. like we were there eight days and I think we literally went there five out of the eight days at some point during the time we were there, whether it was in the morning, afternoon yeah. or evening, because we wanted to see different parts of the day. We still didn't hit everything. We barely hit half, I feel like, but, but five days you would get a good feel of it. It's just 
waiting in line because the pavilions sometimes have lines. Yeah, the big ones have lines. There were a couple I had to skip. Like I think Switzerland's was really good if I'm not mistaken. I went to Japan's. That was good. I went to Spain's. uh, Pretty cool. The United States one was fantastic and there were several more that were on par with that. Uh, You go into the United States one and you're basically on a conveyor belt and it's taking you through this digital experience and there are just cubed screens everywhere. So it's everything from uh, you know, George Washington to Steve Jobs. Yeah. It's it, like a fast like primer on being an American. Yeah. And um, then you go into the uh, one of the main exhibit rooms and they had the Mars Rover, a replica they of did. that there. And then you walk outside and there's um, uh, Elon. SpaceX. 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 There's a yeah. SpaceX rocket like right in your face. Mm-hmm. You yeah. look up and you're like, Oh my gosh, that's not a column. That's like the that's actual ro- rocket. Yeah. So I mean, it was a it was a replica. Yeah, they said, totally. but it was this. It was a life size replica. Yeah, yeah, it was to scale. So that was pretty dope. The U.S. Pavilion was great uh, in terms of outside aesthetic. Uh, they had the the uh, LED lights representing the American flag and all that stuff. Uh, it was just it was really it was done up really nice. Um, and so, uh, we did as we took in as many exhibits as we could over those days, Mm -hmm. but there came a point where it was kind of like, well, let's just go meet Lily for dinner and go do something else. She was really great about telling us to not spend our entire time at the expo. She had other recommendations. Let's get into that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, first of all, I want to talk about where we stayed because that's important. So, um, we stayed basically between Abu Dhabi and Dubai. We were about 35 minutes from Dubai. So we were closer to Dubai than Abu Dhabi, but we were south of Dubai and really in a more, um, well, there is no such thing as an industrial area there, but more of the desert. I mean, the whole thing is desert, but we were really on the outskirts because the downtown city of Dubai is exactly what you have seen on TV. It is so modern, so high tech, so beautiful with architecture. And we were 30 minutes outside of that. You know, they needed space to create the World Expo. So think about some a place like that where they could put hotels and um, and all of the pavilions and, you know. Yeah, they're basically building a city at that point. Exactly. Weather, let's talk about that. Yeah. We were in late March and it was high 80s. So, um we had to obviously dress accordingly to their rules, but also know that it's March and it's still, it's gonna, it's warm. I mean, the one thing that I, I'd like to talk about is going back to what to wear. Yeah. There I, are, I, I kind of glossed over that when Adam called me. He not only fixed our flights, but he gave us really sound advice. Yeah. For you. So there are many rules. Uh, if you're familiar with the Middle East or any any history or rumors or whatever have friends have traveled there all that stuff is true there are lots of rules and one of them being is um what you can wear let's just start as a visitor so as a visitor uh you have to be covered male and female alike so no shorts for men um yeah i mean we saw people mostly from like i don't know the nordic countries it looked like and maybe a few americans wearing shorts at the expo it was After so being rare. there for just a few hours, if I had worn shorts to the expo, even though it was kind of hot, um, I would have felt really out of place wearing shorts. Uh, yeah. I mean, I saw, we were there for five days and I maybe, maybe saw seven people 
not dressed appropriately. Yeah. And um, a couple of them were men who were wearing shorts and a, uh, you know the rest were women. So Yeah, there were a couple of girls. Like I remember walking around the expo, we saw maybe two girls that had like tank tops on. Mm-hmm. And it was like- They're crazy. What are you like thinking? I would not even, yeah. They're, yeah. That, it's so disrespectful. So when you go to another country, uh, we talk a lot about traveling in the States. Um, you know what to expect when you're here. Do whatever you want. But when you go to another country, you really should abide by their rules. And yeah. and the UAE, they have a lot of rules on what you can and cannot do in public. And dressing is one of them. They want your shoulders covered. Yeah. They want your stomach covered. They want your legs covered if you are a visitor. They didn't make you wear a burqa. No, they don't right. make you wear a burqa. But they want, they those are really really specific. Like, yeah, they just they want you to dress very conservatively. Yes. I had a real problem with that because I live in tank tops. I live in tank tops. I live in shorts. Um I actually had to go out and buy a couple pairs of pants because I was like what I have like I don't want to wear jeans the whole time. You're an and- infidel. <laughs> you're I'm, such an infidel. I wasn't because I actually, I dressed appropriately. I know. You changed um, your tune. I did. And so I was having a hard time with it, but um I ended up like in the end, it was just fine. I brought exactly what I needed to bring. And I have to tell you, everyone asked me this when I came back about clothing. Everyone, it was the first question, like, did you have a problem, you know, clothes? I did have to wear my clothes a few times. uh, And I knew that because I thought when I got there, I would buy a couple of things. But the truth is, you do not want to shop when you're there. If you're only there for like eight days, I wanted to enjoy it. I didn't want to be in a fitting room. So I had to wear some of my clothes a couple of times, but um, it's kind of nice going to a place, I'm not going to lie, where everyone dresses well. I mean, there were no like bellies hanging out with half tops. There were no ripped jeans. There were no like, I don't know, like boobs everywhere. There weren't ash chinks hanging out. It was like people dressed really pretty. And everyone would ask, well, what was, what were people wearing? So if you weren't in the, um, traditional dress, if you like weren't an Emirati, then you were wearing linen pants, linen blouses that covered your shoulders. A lot of people wore cute linen jackets with like little spaghetti strap tank tops underneath it. But the jacket obviously covered their shoulders with a cute pair of linen pants um, or a long linen skirt. Linen obviously was the fabric because it is so hot there. Um, Everyone looked really pretty. I mean, it was like even the men, you know, they had nice slacks on, they had nice shoes on. uh, And if you were, you know, a a native, you obviously were wearing the long cloaks. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like after two days, I actually didn't mind the dress requirement and felt like we should impose that here. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you could tell some of the people who were not as well to do, perhaps like my version of the middle class, um, who weren't, who were wearing like, uh, white long, like the gentlemen who were wearing white flowing shirts with black pants and black shoes. Um, you could tell the fabrics were different from, from, uh, group to group. Uh, and so naturally you say, okay, well maybe these people are visiting from wherever, like, uh, Pakistan or something like that, as opposed to, you know, um, well, we didn't even see any Emiratis, but we'll we'll get into that that. later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, you could tell the, um, 
the families yep. that Absolutely. Uh, had a little more money and not just because the guy had a few wives trailing him. Okay, uh, we'll talk about that because yeah. that was something that we were clued in on uh, at, when we when we got there. But I do uh, want to mention that, you know, speaking of seeing groups or whatever or couples, uh, no public displays of affection oh, that's are my really appreciated. Yeah, very frowned upon there. Not a lot of holding hands, not a lot of husbands giving their wives a kiss. I actually had to stop myself like several times where we were like standing in the queue, like a longer queue waiting to get food or wait. I didn't realize how much I just like, you know, sort of paw me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I just put my, I just put my grubby hands all over you all the time. And I don't even like, uh, it doesn't even register with me cause it's just like something I do, you know? And sometimes it's to fuck with you. And sometimes it's because I'm really feeling affectionate, but either way, uh, the bottom line was there were a couple of times where I'd like put my arm up and then quickly put it back down. Like I, like I'm moving to like put my arm around you and I was like, Oh shit, I can't do that. You know? So, uh, yeah, there were actually signs up that have people holding hands with a circle and a line yeah. through it. And it and it was displayed like in areas where you would see them. And um it would say no hand holding, uh, no, no personal display of affection in public, I think was the way that they had um written it on their signs. So and what was interesting is you would be looking at this sign, right? And you're like in a public area, like let's say a park. Uh, and then you'd see a husband and wife with a baby carriage. And to me, it was such a is juxtaposition, the same, the word or an oxymoron. Like they clearly had sex, these two. Yeah. They created this baby, but they were not allowed to look like they were a couple. No. Like it made no sense to me. Exactly. Um, you know, it's really funny because some of these rules that, you know, we're discussing, like I know people have a problem with these, like especially, you know, as women in the United States, you'd be like, I'd never subjugate myself like that. And that's totally appropriate. Like that's what we believe. Like we totally, but you know, it's kind of like, you know, if you're going to someone's house and you know, they are, I don't know. Vegan? Uh, yeah, you don't bring vegan. A, you don't bring yeah. meat. You're not going to bring like a slab of pork with you to say, "Hey, can I also throw this on the grill?" Or if somebody's <laughs> like, you know, if somebody's uh evangelical, you may go over to their house for dinner and you're like, you're not going to say anything like uh, averse to Jesus. I mean, look, I'm not going to go like jump in the river and take a bath with you, but at the same time, it's like I'm going to respect your cultures, your beliefs, your like it's your roof, it's your casa, like whatever yeah. you say goes. Whatever, like when you come to my house, I don't have too many rules, I guess, but, uh, you know, the biggest thing is just show mutual respect for everybody. And so, uh, naturally as travelers, I think the more you get into this, you're like, okay, like we're here for a week, we're going to roll by their rules. So yep. if we take public transit, like if we, we didn't end up taking the well, subway, the train is amazing though, yeah, by the way, which is another thing I'm getting it to. Is. But had we taken the train, you would have gone with the women in your car. Yep. I would have been with the dudes in mine yep. and I would have been the only one I still fully clothed, but I would have been the only one probably not wearing a white shirt. So, yeah. You know, um, but it's like when in Rome, do as the Romans do. It totally applies. Um, if you know, and that's fine. If you say, well, you know, they're so um, authoritarian, or they're guilty of these crimes or these uh, crimes against humanity or whatever, it's it's okay. Don't go. You have a yeah, thing where go. you're like, um, you know, if we were to go to Thailand, you wouldn't want to go to a city where pedophilia is allowed. Nope, would not. I right? already told that. I told that to him. Yep. 
Yeah. So uh, it's so I wouldn't spend my money there. I'm not going to go. Yeah. So if you don't want to go, don't go. Um, However, uh, when in Dubai, you kind of have to do Dubai shit. (laughs) You do. And the one thing that I wanted to mention, going back to clothing a little bit, is I did a little dive into what the locals wear because what tourists are, um, you know, asked to wear, which is what I just explained. You know, shirts covered, tum- sorry, shoulders covered, tummies covered, uh, legs covered. Um, women, uh, we can wear, you know, obviously a blouse and pants. The women there have to dress a little differently, and so I did a little research on what what it is that they, you know, what it what it's called that they have to wear. But really quick before I go into that, I had many people ask me about photos that they've seen on Instagram or TikTok of like, you know, women in bikinis in Dubai or in really, really short dresses and high heels and like tank, like tank top dresses in Dubai. Like where are these photos taken? That was a great question. Um, I learned by being there, I learned while being there that those photos are generally taken at their resort. So um, you can dress very Western at any resort you're staying at. So for instance, we took a day pass and went to um, the Ritz-Carlton. Uh, they have a beautiful beach and it's on the um, Persian Gulf. So we we spent, it was like $50. It was so reasonable. And we spent the day at the Ritz-Carlton. Well, there, that's where the girls are in the bikinis. That's where you'll yeah. see like people dressed really pretty at the restaurant and like, you know, their sundresses or their, you know, high heels. And that's where the photos are coming from. Um, Generally, when you're out in public or, you know, uh, in Dubai, since it's so darn hot, almost the entire year, they have these huge malls built that are really just small cities. They have actually skiing in them. I know it sounds crazy, but they do. They have ice skating. It's a place where you go. Yeah. They had a hockey rink in the the one mall. Yeah. Yeah. It's a place where families go to spend time with other families because you can't do it outside. So the men will gather. They have movie theaters. Uh, Women will shop. Kids will ice skate. Um, So in the malls, they do ask you to adhere by the clothing that is um, required um, outside of the resort. Once in a while, like I saw a couple of, they were definitely weren't Emiratis. They were, they were foreigners um, dressing like more risque in the mall. And I did notice that like some photos that I had seen on Instagram were probably taken in the mall, but that's like a huge no, no, like you just don't want to do it. Um, but in any case, um, bikini shots and all of that that you see on on social media, that's all at resorts located throughout Dubai. Right. And uh, real quick, I think it's important. So we keep saying we didn't see any Emiratis. We haven't bumped into any Emiratis. Um, so I actually looked it up. The difference between a sheik and an emir. Do you know the difference between a sheik well, and a Well, I think a sheik is from Saudi Arabia. They are. However... The uh, legacy of the Emirates having the land that they have is because they were actually military commanders. So a lot of the military commanders' families have evolved into the emirs, uh, as oh, I understand. There's seven it. families that rule the UAE. Yeah, and so they were basically the commanders of you know, I think generations ago, Got obviously. Um, well, whereas you- a sheikh can actually just be a cultured or an educated. Uh, person, maybe even a priest. I don't think it's a priest, but I forget the name of the word. Um, Mm. But anyway, the difference is like you could be a highly educated sheik 
and not necessarily be in the military. So there oh, are, there are, so, but within um, the, I think, but within that, and somebody's going to correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, a quick dive told me that within that region, uh, the Emirates became what it is because that's uh, essentially people of high military command that were given those lands. Okay. That, At some point. That makes sense because there's only, I believe, seven families that are the ruling monarchs of, and I say monarchs because there's seven families and each one rules a different yeah. part of that country. Um, but okay, that I did not know that. So thank you for telling me. There you go. Okay. And all the Emirates, the reason the Emiratis, the reason we don't see them, maybe we saw some at the mall because that's where everybody okay, congregated. So yeah. But uh, the reason you don't see them is because they actually work in government ministries. Like they're not running the Cinnabon, you know? Oh, no, they're higher. They're yeah. like literally businessmen. Um, they're higher up on the hierarchy of um, their society. Right. Like they're doctors, they're lawyers, they're, they, yeah, we, okay, now we're going off subject, which is fine. I'm not going to talk about clothes anymore. So we'll talk about the Emiratis. So one of the things that we noticed, and we mentioned this to every single person that asked us about our trip, is that when you come to the States, or for us, like we went to Mexico, everywhere we went, we interacted with Mexicans. We, they were our tour guide. Mm -hmm. They were the girl who was serving us ice cream. They yeah. were our waiters. Uh, they were the girls taking our tickets when we went in somewhere. Like they're everywhere. They're locals. When you come to the States, you will always interact with an American. They'll be your waiter. They'll be the guy at the gas station. Uh, they'll be the checkout girl at the grocery store. Um, they're working at Disneyland. So uh, here in Dubai, that is not the case. We never once interacted with the Emirati. Who we did interact with were all immigrants from other countries. Yeah. We interacted with Pakistanis. All I think the cabbies, yeah. All the cabbies were Pakistanis. Uh, we interacted with Afghanis. Most of the shopkeepers were Afghani. We interacted with Filipinos. We interacted with Africans. We, I physically saw Emiratis, and the only way I knew that they were Emiratis were because they were driving the Bentleys and the Mercedes, yeah. and they had the wives following them. Um, and again, we didn't realize this until we got there, that when you see a man and he's like at the mall uh, and uh, he has four or five women with him, those are all his wives. Like yeah, I think I they're had allowed no up to six. Is that what we read? I read it's usually four, but it also goes with the amount of money that you have because each wife has to be um has supported. to be supported. That's the word has she to needs be her equal, money. equally. Like they have to have equal support. So if you have six wives, then you are very wealthy. That it is a, super expensive. Oh, they're, but they're, we're talking oil people. Like I know. They're, they're they got money to burn, literally. Literally, they put gold on their cars. So yeah, so six wives is 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 not that big of a deal. But remember Lily said something about like, I don't know, she was she heard someone over saying it in a meeting or something like that, that this one Emirati who said that his wives were costing him so much money, he didn't know if he was going to be able to make it. Like, like <laughs> meaning financially. And it was like, I was laughing because he said he just bought one like a Mercedes and the other one wanted a Range Rover because he bought the one a Mercedes. Right. So it seems complicated, but it works for them. Yeah. I mean, it totally works for them. So yeah. So when it comes to interacting with locals, when you go to Dubai, don't expect it. You will... Unless you're a businessman, yeah, 
I don't think you're ever going to meet an Emirati. Not not where we went, certainly not. Not yeah. in the restaurants we went to. They were dining. We saw Emiratis all around us. We saw them with their wives. Um, we never once interacted with them because they aren't the working class. Yep. There's a hierarchy there. Yeah. And I think we were on the lower strata of that <laughs> For hierarchy. For sure. One of the things, too, you had mentioned about... Um, noticing like um, differences in wealth with the pe way people dressed. As a woman, you saw it with other women because the women wore what's called, and I have it right here, um, it's called an abaya. Um, okay. And so I'm probably, or a kaftan. So hopefully I have that right. I had to look up the names or a couple different names, but it's the silks that they wear on their body. It's not the, um, I'm not talking about the um, burkas. This is like the beautiful silks that they wear on their bodies. And they're usually their heads are covered, not their faces though. But you could tell the wealth of that woman by the silk. Like, they just looked expensive. I'm not going to lie. And now their hands and their feet can be just, you know, could be, um, doesn't not their hands and their feet don't have to be covered. So the wealth was also shown on the jewelry they had on their wrists because those always poked out. I'm not kidding. When I tell you, I, I saw dozens of diamond encrusted Rolexes on these women that just would peek their, their little arms out of their silks and like the Jimmy Choo shoes and it's so um, funny you pick up i mean oh being a guy it's like okay everyone had a everyone had a um a birkin like an hermes birkin bag uh so so you saw the wealth by the shoes the handbag and the jewelry on their wrist i mean it was incredible uh and then with the men, you could see it with the shoes they wore and their silks also. So, you know, the men wore, James says, the white shirt, but it wasn't just a white shirt. Actually, the men wore what's called um, kanduras, which are, it's K-A-N-D-U-R-A, and they're the white outfits. It's a shirt and a pants. Now, um, from my understanding, what I research is that the longer, it's actually a robe. I'm sorry, I'm calling it a shirt, but it's really a robe over the pants. But the longer the robe the wealthier the man. Ooh. So Pakistanis would wear them shorter, um, maybe like uh, I don't know, um, other 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 families who didn't have that wealth but are Emiratis would wear them shorter. But the longer the cloak, I call it a cloak or a robe. So I'm so sorry. I know there's more of a proper name for it. It's kaftan. But um, am I saying that right? Um, no, kaftan is what the women wore. And um, it's called Kandura for the men. But the longer it was, the wealthier they were. Well, I'm really glad I left my half tops at home because <laughs> I would have been forced to wear them if we were ranking apparel on financial oh my gosh. ability. Okay, you would have to wear it over your knees. I know. <laughs> I would have. Uh, yeah, yeah. It would have um, been like a long nighty t-shirt. I would have been like, sorry, guys, I can't compete with oil money. I have man. 20 bucks in my yeah, wallet. I work sorry. at TV. Um, so anyway, so... Clothing's a big deal because it displays to everyone your wealth. And also, are you a local? Are you a tourist? Like, I mean, so clothing, you know, we talk about a lot because it actually- I'm so glad you're telling me all this now because if I would have known this kind of stuff when we were there, I was already just in a catatonic state of wonderment everywhere I was going. I would have been paying so much attention to that stuff. I know. I know. It, like, it would have been totally distracting for me. I knew when I was there, like the silks with the women. So I was just like, 
Oh, I would look at their shoes. I'd look at their handbag. I mean, I was like, oh, I would see. The- I know, but that's like biological for you, right? Like women do that. I do look at shoes everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Like uh-huh. women do that. Yeah. Guys are I like, hey, man, handbags. what's up? What's I up? know. But when you can't see their clothes and all you have are the silks that, that they're wearing, you then have to realize. Like, Facts. I get it. And it yeah. shows. I understand. Um, okay. And then let's talk about like one of the other rules that was, uh, told to us right away. And you know, this already about the middle East, uh, no crime, like you can commit a crime, but you're going to suffer. So tell everyone what the first thing was that Adam said to you about, don't worry about. Yeah. He's like, uh, He's like, you're really not going to need your laptop for your visit with Lily. And I didn't want to take it with me anyway. Um, He said, but uh, if you do bring your laptop, just know it's the type of culture where if you're standing up in a coffee shop and you leave your laptop on the table, you can come back an hour or two later and that laptop will still be there. And I said, you're kidding me. He goes, yeah, theft is a big issue when people legit are losing their hands over getting caught stealing things. So you can get your, you get like a, I forget how it was, $6,000 fine and your hand chopped off if you're caught stealing 30, stuff. 30000 $30,000? dollars oh, fine. So it's a little more pricey. That's a that's a lot of cab rides you so, got to give to to get, make that thirty k back, especially when you're doing with, with one hand. <laughs> it is hard to drive a cab, I would think, with one hand. I would imagine. I mean, a lot of cars are automatics, but you saw the way these guys were driving on the freeway. They were like riding each other at like 80 miles an hour. Oh, easily. Like easily riding. Like 14 inches between us and the car in front of us. Yep. It was like- you need two hands for that. Yeah, you could be right. So one-handed cabbie would not work well in Dubai. Mm -mm. Uh, Yeah, you don't have to clutch your purse. You don't have to worry about like someone- pickpocketing you. Yeah. I mean, they're so afraid of losing their hand. That will not happen. And I have a great story to tell you about this. Go ahead. James and I were in the old part, the old city of Dubai, which has all these um, shops. And I'll go into like what that is in a minute. But I walked out of one shop and um, had to find James. Now, um, my my phone was dead, so the guy had offered to charge it for me, so I handed it to him, and I was looking around the store. Well, James was literally off somewhere, and, and I had no idea where he was. He yeah, was they had swept me up into some other store trying yeah. to sell me shoes. Yeah, so. and so the guy at that shop had a friend, you know, the shop I was in, and he said, oh, I know where your husband is. I'll take you. I was like, okay, fine. It was like a maze. I'm not going to lie. And right, left, right, left, up three flights of stairs, go to the left now, turn right. Anyway, I found yeah. him looking at oh, shoes. Sure. They were like, where's, where'd the big stupid American go? Yeah. Where'd he, where's he, where's that? You know, <laughs> they were doing like the measurement. There. No, no. And they're like the big one. And like, oh, oh, he's at Joe's shoe shop. <laughs> so I found the big one at Joe's shoe shop <laughs> and um, we were there and I was just chatting and I said to him, oh my gosh, I had been in this store with James for now, like maybe 10 minutes. It took me another five to get there. So a good 15 minutes had passed and I realized I didn't have my phone. And I said, oh, I left my phone, but the guy who brought me to James's store was gone. He went back to this store I was originally in. Mm. And I said to James, I'm never going to find that store. I'm never going to find the store. And one of the guys in the store heard me and he said, no, no, they called. They're bringing your phone. And I said, who called? He goes, the guy at the shop. He called. Literally, as he's saying that, the shopkeeper of the store I was originally in walked up and said, here, here's your phone. I, you could have 
That shit wouldn't happen in Beverly Hills, let alone like. Oh no! Let's just talk about Korea Town. No, let's just talk about yeah. If that were in L.A. and my phone had been missing for fifteen minutes, my Chase account would have been hacked. Somebody would have been buying a car with my social security number. My (laughs) phone would have been dismantled. I mean, Uh forget it. And getting it back, like, 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 I just that to me, like, I couldn't believe it. I literally couldn't believe it. Then. We went into another shop and we were talking to a local there. Well, no, not a local. He was from Afghanistan, but he was a shopkeeper. And we were just talking about what brought him there. And um, and we talked about theft. And he said to us, like he had been in uh, Dubai, I think it was a few years, like three or four years at he that was point. There, he said he was there since the fall of Afghanistan. Oh, okay. So he'd been there for eight years, right? Was no, the no. The, that happened early on in Biden's presidency. When I, I think he no, was- it was not. It was it was definitely Obama because he was telling me that they oh, so left. He had been there a while. Yes, they had left like interpreters behind. No, it wasn't. It wasn't the whole fiasco at the airport. Absolutely not. It was when Obama came in. So he'd been there a while. Yeah. So he'd been there. So I think, there, like, he was there during the other debacle. Yes. Yeah, so he okay, was there, I think, for seven or eight years because we were talking at length about like how interpreters were being murdered and all of that, who had helped the Americans, and then they were just left behind. Yeah. All that to say. Um, he, uh, he was telling me like, you know, that the laws in Dubai are very strict. And he said to me, he said, this is exactly his example. He was in a shop. He worked in this big, huge, like trinket store, like for tourists, you know, like you can buy like little, uh, statues and candy and this and that. And he said, you can put a bar of gold in the middle of this shop right here and no one would take it. And I said, why? And he said, the penalty is so high. He goes, gold, a bar of gold right now is, I think he said like, what was it? Like fifth, it's like, what was it? I think he said something like, was it $1,500? No, a bar of gold is like, what That's was an it? Ounce. An ounce. So he was talking about an ounce of gold. And then he just said like the bar of gold, he gave me a number. And he said, if I stole it, it would cost me a $30,000 fine. That's how I know the number. He said, and I would lose my hand. He said, so there's nothing worth it. He said, so now I can't work. He said, now I owe the government $30,000. He goes, that bar of gold will never equal like me having a hand. He said- (laughs) That's never a truer statement spoken. Yeah, he said, there's nothing worth it. That was his exact words. He goes, there's nothing worth losing a, a hand, paying a fine and going to jail. And when he put it that way, I just thought to myself, honestly- why can't, of course, like now it's going to be crazy talk, but why can't we enact laws that are more strict? Because they don't have prisons there. Like they have jails. And of course they have probably a couple, but we have hundreds of prisons that house all these people. So it's like, if the fear of losing your hand is greater than that of breaking into someone's home, robbing them, traumatizing them for the rest of their lives, I say we put laws in place that put the fear of God into our criminals in the United uh, well, I, States. I, I think there could be some fear of God introduced. I'm not sure the barbarism of chopping off somebody's hand is applicable, but like we do oh, have- Oh, there'd be a lot of- In less, the Constitution, nope, we have this stop. whole Don't cruel interrupt. and Hold unusual on. punishment no, thing. stop. If you knew that you were going to lose your hand when you broke into that Absolutely, car, you would deterrent. not break into the car. I wouldn't have to replace my window on my car, which I've had to do in LA because it was broken into. Uh, people have to uh, literally 
replaced so many broken things because our house was robbed for like a couple of stupid ass costume rings. It's like, no, if you thought that you were going to lose a hand, would you rob that convenience store? The answer is of course, no. But my point is people are locked away or, and, or, you know, executed and that doesn't stop them from They're not executed enough. They're just not, they're not executed at a high rate. They (laughs) go into jail. They're there for 40 years before they're executed. We're on a different time. That's another episode. It is. But my point is, is that if people had fear higher than just going to jail, getting three meals a day and being locked up, there was a real fear of punishment, of being maimed. They wouldn't take your purse. My God, white lady, they wouldn't settle take down. Your purse. Holy shit. I'm tired of crime in America. I'm just sick of it. Like, I'm legit okay. sick of it. All right. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> you haven't been robbed enough. That's your problem. Oh, my God. You really I don't have anything worth stealing. Um, and so uh, let's talk then about Old City because oh, yeah. it was recommended by Lily for us to go there. And uh, we took a cab. We we went to the historic district first. First, yeah. yeah. We got breakfast there. I remember some sort of okay. Lebanese egg dish. No, it was so Kuwaiti. good. It was Kuwaiti. It was Kuwaiti, yeah. Yeah, and okay. let's talk about the food. So you talk about the food in Dubai. The food in Dubai is as Middle Eastern as you would expect on many levels. However, uh, there's definitely a Parisian element to some of the restaurants, uh, we actually went to a, was it Vietnamese or a Thai restaurant that we went to in the mall? We got to talk about the Oh, that mall was Italian. Too. That was actually Italian. That was one place. But then we also, that one oh. night we had like- Oh, that was I incredible. remember I had that hot was Thai. Pot. That was Thai. But that was like, yeah. that was like a version of Thai because that was like The seasoning, the, the taste experience, um, and you know, reasonably priced. I mean, it's not like- okay, Some of our best meals were in the mall. And when you say the mall, yeah. you're thinking like- the mall with AMC Theater and like yeah, Panda Express. Guy. No, this is not that mall. Again, I'm going back to the malls are their cities. They're covered small cities. You couldn't, you couldn't spend an entire day in the mall. You wouldn't make it. Like, like every mall has five Gucci stores because they want to make sure that they have a Gucci at every entrance and exit. That when so when I say it's a okay. small city. So yeah. we'll get back to old city in a minute. But since we're on malls, let's talk about this. The Dubai mall. Okay, first off, when we said, okay, where where's the section of town we would go to get restaurants? And you and I were just looking for like a promenade type yeah, experience. We were. Mm-hmm. Um and the kid looked at us like we had bats flying out of our head. <laughs> he and he did. was like, Why wouldn't you just go to the mall? And we were like, You're kidding. Like you eat at the mall. And it was like, all I could think of my head was mall of America. Uh-huh. You know, all I, I thought like, about oh was God. like fashion square in Los Angeles. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to Panda Express. I was thinking like, okay, it turns out, I think we're going to eat at the world expo like every single day while we're here. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, go to the mall. Trust me. So the Dubai mall, quick fact, uh, 275 acres, this mall. Yeah. That 275 makes sense. acres. It's 12 million square feet. I looked it up just a little while yeah, ago. Yeah, because you can't you can't hit it the whole day. Like when I say to there's you, no way. No. And they have like the top shelf, like you were saying, the Gucci's, the Rolex, uh, Louis Lanes. Vuitton, Hermes. But then they have all kinds of like sporting goods stores. Oh, the Dick's Sporting Goods would be like it wasn't in there, but it would be yeah. like that big of a sporting goods store. Like it, it, they have that. It's not a small little version. No, no, it was like a massive store, and you could get like you know obviously like guys need pants there, so you can just go get like comfortable like golf pants to walk around in or whatever. Um, 
they had a an Air Jordan store, not a Nike store, just strictly Air Jordans. <laughs> they did. Like they did. Every, it was awesome. Everything from the Air Jordan line was in just this store. Like they had so many specialty shops like that. They had they had a Puma store with exclusive Puma designs for the shoes that you can't find anywhere else other than in Dubai. Yeah, and that was one of the things that someone told me before we left is that the clothing that you find in Dubai generally, like not everything, but generally like a majority of what you're going to see is just designed for Dubai because it's such a Mecca for um, fashion people to come and purchase that they know when they come to Dubai, they're not going to get something that they're going to see themselves coming and going in Paris or, you know, or in London. Uh, So when you go to Dubai, so, you know, like he said, I could have gotten a pair of Pumas there. I never would have seen anywhere else in the yeah. world legitimately because they were made only for this Puma store in Dubai. Right. Like a Lacoste sweatshirt, oh, yeah. sweatsuit. Yeah. Um, which I would have looked fantastic in rolling around here in Florida, by the way, with a medallion <laughs> on my hairy chest. Um, would have been fantastic to purchase there. I abstained while we were there because our luggage was already full. But um, uh, so anyway, this mall really is like the congregation place. And then there was, so that was the Dubai Dubai mall. But then we went to a second smaller mall, oh, I guess, that funny. was called Mall of the Emirates. That was and, huge. And it w- that one was actually closer to where we were staying in World World Expo Expo Village. Um, we were staying closer to the Mall of the Emirates, and we just went there one day. It was like as we were nearing yeah. the end of our trip, and we we're like, let's just kill, you know, let's like kill some time here and get lunch at this place. And the food was like every bit oh. as incredible as the big mall. Five star restaurants are in this mall are, are in these malls, and I, again, they're small cities. Five star restaurants. Now we didn't eat at five star restaurants, but. We ate at really good restaurants, and um, and going back to historic, uh, uh, the historic part of um, of Dubai when we ate at that Kuwaiti restaurant, that food was incredible. Like, yeah, just I mean, the food itself. Uh, everywhere we went, I don't think I think we maybe had one meal that was a miss, but it was only because we were eating at one of the pavilions at the World Expo. Maybe. Um, but you can get anything meh. because we had Greek food, yeah, and the Greek food was phenomenal. We had Asian with Lily. That was phenomenal. Yeah. Like, like so. It's not just a Middle Eastern food. It's it's whatever it's, you want. Yeah, and they really are striving for the best cuisine of any you know cultural influence: Italian, French, yep. you name it. You're right. Uh, and uh, it's just, I mean, the food the food is excellent. However, the thing that I was most impressed with was okay. So obviously, it's a Muslim country. Uh, not a lot of alcohol being poured at every everywhere nope. you go. In fact, you can get it. You can obtain it. Like, On the there, resorts. There are places you can get it at the resorts or we could have got it at the Ritz-Carlton or whatever. We did actually. We had yep. a we had like a beach drink or something. Um, but I didn't feel a need because they had like the craziest like non-alcoholic like it's so weird. Wherever These drinks were went. insane. Yeah. They were so like tasty. A cucumber, watermelon with a, with a spritz of like mint in it. Like it was like but they weren't cheap. Like they were, they were fifteen dollars. Oh no, a and drink. they were like all garnished out or whatever. Yeah, and I was they were like, as the expensive. Shit these as people a are doing with a couple juices and some soda water was really insane. I couldn't believe some of these. And drinks. wherever you go, wherever you go, you can get fresh squeezed juices. So, for instance, we're in the historic section. We're at this tiny little hole in the wall. When I literally say hole in the wall, the tables couldn't even fit inside. The tables were outside. 
and we were ordering breakfast. And, and again, we knew it was from Kuwait that the food fair was because it actually said on there, like it said the name of the restaurant yeah. and then said, you know, Kuwaiti restaurant or Kuwait and fair, whatever the word, whatever their verbiage was. Um, I looked at James and I said, wow, I really, I wonder if they have fresh squeezed juice here because every place we went to did. And this was like a little tiny like place. And I said, well, I'm going to order an orange juice. It's probably going to be like minute made, but it's fine. No, they, I, There's how, no, yeah. how they fit a juicer in this place. It was fresh squeezed orange juice. It was so delicious. Now you could buy those like bottled juices or whatever in their like local markets or whatever. But if you go to a restaurant, I think 90% of the They're time you're going to find something. Yeah. Yeah. Like what We'd we're talking get, like, about. We'd get like blueberry so. mint spritzers. Like it was, it, it was amazing. Uh, we dipped in and out of the mall a couple of times, but now we're back in old city and, uh, we were in the historic district across actually from Old City. Old City is your uh, sort of quintessential marketplace, like open air marketplace where you, that you see, see on TV, where you see Jason Bourne running through it and knocking down blankets and, you yep. know, uh, carts full of pottery and stuff like that. Uh, it really was like that sort of frenzy. Um everybody's bargaining with you the minute you get off the ferry. So, oh, yeah. so uh, the view across the river, I forget what the name is. It's actually the, called the Dubai Creek. The Dubai Creek. Okay. I think that's- So we took a ferry across after. So it was nice and mellow in the historic district. We we're walking oh, around, was, little shops, all that it stuff. It was like something out of a movie, And then truthfully. we got off this ferry and I swear, like Mayhem. it was like, yeah. Mayhem. It was I, like, I think I saw Jason Bourne running. It was like getting hit by a swarm of locusts. I swear to God. It was- uh, you know, walking through here and immediately like, uh, we had guys like throwing, uh, the cloth on my head and wrapping me up like a sheik. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not so sure this is like culturally appropriate back in the United States. Definitely was not. And so, um, but there's not culturally appropriate there. It's not culturally appropriate there. I mean, I guess it was fine because they were the ones doing it, but, um, not a look I wanted to sport around. Uh, I already stuck out like a sore thumb. So, uh, I, I mean, I towered, not over everybody, but I think there were a lot of situations where I was at least almost a foot taller than many of the people. Oh, yeah, um, I agree. So, uh, and especially in the old uh, city area, I definitely, like that became apparent to me. I was like, oh, I'm at least like eight inches taller. Like I could see you across <laughs> a sea of merchants, like all swarming for your attention and trying to sell you silver and jewelry and all that you, other stuff. It's so. true. You did. Um, the area I want to point out. Um, so when you go to the historic district, like he said, really quaint, quite very quiet. Then you take a boat, go across the I swear, I think it's called the Dubai Creek. You go across the creek, although it looks like a river, and then that's where mayhem is. Um, each area of that old city is called a souk. So yeah, you had that's like right, I forgot about that. The spice souk. So it was shops upon shops of just like honestly worldly spices. Spices flown in from every part of the world. Um, whatever the native spices to like Africa, they would have there. I mean. People come, from my understanding, to Dubai sometimes just to buy the spices. So if you're if you can get on a plane and you can fly and get your favorite spices, people do it. That's what I've read. And by seeing it in person, you can understand why. Yeah. Then they had like the gold souk. Talk yeah. about that. That was crazy. Uh the gold souk. I don't was, remember. Oh my gosh. It was gold 
everywhere. Well, yeah, but gold, I mean, there was like, like a lot no, of- No, it was like gold animals in glass cases. Oh, like, are you right. kidding? It was like- yeah, all these like, it was statues like, that were like- It was like Scarface. Like you're yeah. like literally walking in South South Miami, Scarface, now. like a big drug king has like these gold. It was gold, not just necklaces and little pretty earrings and bracelets. Yeah. No, they had like gold statues in cases that you could buy from a jeweler. So it was- it was just gold upon yeah. gold, everything gold. Then they had like the perfume souk where like you can get the oils that, you know, are uh, are really coveted by uh, the the people in that area because they have like such beautiful essential oils. And it was just, again, shops upon shops yeah. of oils. I quickly got swept up into the shoe souk. Uh, because <laughs> I think the guys quickly realized like, okay, he's not going to wear any of our traditional garments. They quickly just wanted to sell me t-shirts and sneakers. Uh-huh. And I was up for it. I mean, I had uh, just purchased a pair of sneakers at the Dubai mall that I had on, but I was like, okay, you know, whatever. And they're showing me, you know, like- um, Gucci knockoffs, yeah, stuff like was, that. But they all look crappy. But, they weren't even made of leather. But it was really more about the experience. They were like, no, no. Okay, wait, come with me. And then you would like go up and down these stairs. Oh, so there's the main drag for all the open air markets. No, we are back in the apartments and stuff where it's like zero dark 30. And um, it's I'm true. like- <laughs> It's true. I didn't even know where he was. We were separated for about an hour. And this was when I was in the one shop and he was in the store with me. It was a jewelry store. And it was just like silver stuff, I you know, costume stuff. And um, and that's when the gentleman said, oh, you need a shirt. You need a shirt. And James was like, I need a shirt. I go, yeah, you need a shirt. And I just wanted him to like have his own experience. Like who wants to hang out in a jewelry store? And then he was gone. And yeah. that's, I was like, oh my God, I've seen this in movies. Yeah, like, I didn't want to be like- that guy because I was like, okay, like this doesn't look legit, but <laughs> it wasn't. In fact, uh, I'm pretty sure I saw this street on Black Hawk Down. <laughs> However, um, I didn't want to be like closed minded. So I was like, it's okay. And he's like, it's okay. It's okay. Come on, come, 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 come. And I just, I had Adam's voice in the back of my head saying they don't steal anything. So I was like, well, hopefully they don't murder people either. So, and it turns out they didn't murder me as you can tell, but yeah, he had me in all these shops up and down, up and down, Strangely enough, I didn't buy anything. I ended up buying a Raven's ring that I really liked. It was like um, a falcon. Uh, I thought it was so great. And, you know, getting back. Yeah, getting back to L.A. I think it broke within like three weeks or something like that. We were not in like the finest like jewelry place. It was like super cheap. But uh, but in any case, when he got swept away for his shirt that he never bought, I really thought I'm never going to find him. Like, I I don't because it's it is literally like go down a hallway, turn left, turn right. And I said to the shopkeeper that I was in, I said, how am I going to find my husband? He goes, oh, no, no. He's like, he's like, he'll take you. And like yeah. another kid pops in, another kid yeah. pops in. It was and like a I- constant rotation of people like, hey, does he need like button down shirts, button down shirts? And you could tell they were talking back and forth. Like, oh, are they looking for silver? Are they looking <laughs> for silver? And it's just whatever they were in their language. And then you'd see yep. like somebody would pop into the shop, like, send them my way, man, send them my way after this, you know? Okay. We- so wait, you got to tell them. So then, okay, we end up finding each other. Yeah. Clearly. Uh, and then we went and we found, once we left there, we made our way to like this really nice shop where I met the Afghani worker who was not the shopkeeper, but an employee. And we ended up buying like, oh my gosh, so many things like candies and nuts and like, um, oh, like, uh, gifts, gifts, like beautiful gifts. Like it was all really good quality. Very like from what we could tell, very well made. I even got some things for myself and we were hungry and his English was excellent. Oh, Oh by the way, 
did you know if you are going to work in the UAE, you have to speak English. It is a requirement that oh, really? you speak English. Now, Where even if it's not a tourism job or nope, anything? Nope, you have to speak English. Wow. Yep. So, okay. yeah. So, going back to the Afghani, his English was very good. And so um, I asked him where we should go to eat. Well, he was and an interpreter. So, I hope so. I don't know if he was an interpreter. He said he was. Oh, I thought he was something else. No. Okay. Um, Okay. Then his English was very good because he was an interpreter. <laughs> but I just thought that, uh, you know, when I found that uh, one little tidbit of information, like, oh, they had to speak English. That's why his English was so good. No, maybe he was an interpreter. Okay. Any case, uh, we asked him where to eat and he said, oh, oh, I have the perfect place for you. And I said, okay, where is it? He goes, I'll take you. And I kept saying, no, just show us. He's like, no, 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 I'll take you. Like, yeah. What happened? Oh my gosh. Okay. So we're back <laughs> on the main drag going through streets and he pulls us over. Uh, there's this we're walking. tiny we're walking. little, yeah, we're walking. There's this tiny little uh, cafe. They have an outdoor area it's where packed. it's packed. It's totally full. And then they have about four tiny little two top tables down the one side. So it's basically like a counter. You can go in, you can order, and then you could sit either outside on the street in their little courtyard or you can sit at one of these four, two, like two top okay. tables. Do you remember though, when we walked up there, I looked at him and I said, this place yeah, is not, packed. Yeah, There's no wait. And he goes, no, 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 no. Like you said, we don't want to wait. We don't want to wait. He goes, no, no, you're not going to have to wait. And he walks up into the thing and there's a manager there who's kind of like a manager, young guy, managerial type. Do you type. remember he yells across the street? Hey, he yells in his language. They, yeah. Oh. He, they like do this and he goes, and he points to us. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. He's like, we're coming, we're coming, you know, or whatever he was saying to them. And then we get up there and the guy's like, he shrugs at first and then he looks around and he realizes that at one of those two top at two of those two top tables there were two guys sitting separately <laughs> one at each table and he turns around and he's like hey get the hell up you're gonna sit with him now and these two are coming over here i could not believe it i was like wow we're like getting treated like royalty in this little place this and it was like guy. and the guy looks at us and he's, he's eating like i remember he had a shawarma and it was stuffed with like chicken and french fries they love to put potatoes inside the shawarmas um and so he was like, like there were like French fries hanging out and he's like looking, he's got a mouthful of food. And he's like, and he goes, uh, and then he just like picks up his plate and walks over and sits down to the other guy. And they give each other like a little head nod and he's like, what's up? What's up? And then they sat down and they're like, what can I get for you? Like, right. It was so, it was, it was crazy. nuts. I said to James, what just happened? James goes, I was like, oh, they he just got told Lenny he's got to sit with Stanley and like, you know, don't give him any shit over it. it That's exactly <laughs> I and I said to the guy, I turned him. I go, you just. I literally said, to yeah. him, I go, you just kicked him out. He goes, oh, it's fine, it's fine. Yeah, he said it's fine. It, it was as if he turned around. and goes, listen, if you two assholes think you're going to sit by yourselves <laughs> and like take a couple tables away from us, it's not going to work out. You get up, go over here. It was just like so administerial, I guess. For like, it like, was crazy. And the guy was like, okay, whatever. And so and he um, did it culturally in the United States. We would have been like, go to hell. Right? Oh, you would have been like, yeah. make me move. Because we're so like, <laughs> like we have our 18 inches of personal space at any point and we don't ever want to share a table with a stranger unless, God forbid, we've been walking six miles with our oh. wife who's looking for shoes and we just want to like, you know, have a little smoothie. Yeah, or then something, you'll share a, a table beer. with somebody. Yeah, you're like, you mind if I sit here? And you're like, no, dude, go ahead. You know, it's like no big deal. But it, in the manner that he was told to get up and move. It was not He nice. was totally compliant. Yeah. It was not nice but he was totally compliant and i just know like that shit would have never ever happened here in the villages oh could you imagine if somebody came up to you and said we need this table we need you to sit with uh larry yeah 
You'd be like, Larry who? I don't know Larry. Why right would I there. sit with Larry? Sit yeah, with it's like a Larry. whole conversation. Oh, you'd be like, it's like, no, no, no. You know, and so you can see it in airports all the time. I mean, there were like a person here and then three other people sitting, like a person sitting three seats over at the gate. And you're like, we're two people. So either we're sitting by this, you know. Oh, I know. We're weird. We're, we're sitting by this chooch or we're sitting yeah. by that chooch, you know. And so it's like, whatever. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, and that was really good food. It was really good. And it was really fast. And it, it was, was exactly just what the what doctor said. ordered because uh, our uh, Kuwaiti breakfast had definitely worn off after all that activity running up and down streets. Uh, so we had a fantastic time there. You got a lot of gifts. Um, doled them out when everybody got home. And uh, You know how when you're visiting an area... Like, so we're, we're don't, we're done with our meal. We're wrapping it up. We take the ferry back. And like, even when we were in Mexico city, um, nighttime starts to fall and you have to be a little careful. Not in Dubai. No. Nighttime falls. You like can have your purse wide. You can have hundred dollar bills coming out of your purse. And you're like, ah, I'm... nope. They're like, nobody's going to rob you. Nobody's going to mess with you. Nighttime's rolling around. You can still do whatever you want. We're back on that. Huh? We are. Nobody's going to rob me. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Are they going to get their hands chopped off? Anyway. Um, so, uh, we did that, but the other, there was one other thing I wanted to mention just in terms of landmarks, if I can wedge this yeah. in real fast. Uh, and that is the Burj Khalifa. Oh, um, you want, yes. So you should So the talk Burj about Khalifa, it. going back to the main, uh, Dubai mall, the Burj Khalifa is the tallest building in the world, bar none. Uh, for those of you Mission Impossible fans, there was one, I, th- I forget which version of like maybe Mission Impossible 3 or 4. I think it was 4. Something like that, where Tom Cruise is literally, you know, because scaling. he's like, yeah, Mr. Scientology and nothing can hurt him. He's made a Teflon. Uh, he was actually scaling the building. like, And uh, as you're in the lobby for this tower. So I decided I was going to take this elevator all the way up as far as I could. Um, and you decided, hell no. Oh yeah. And nope. for reasons we're all aware of. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in my head, I was kind of like, you know, um, maybe I'll just do this if we ever come here again. But then I remembered that time in Paris when I said I was going to go to the top of the Eiffel tower when you didn't want to go. And I, uh, funny thing, I've never been back to Paris to go up the Eiffel Tower. All this talk, all these, all these years. So I was like, "There's no way I'm not going up the Burj Khalifa in yeah. Dubai." So, and you were cool with it. You you walked around and you were doing your thing. Um, because there's a mall attached to it that's two hundred forty forty five acres or whatever. You were fine. Mm-hmm. You were like, take, take your, your time. time. I don't know. And so uh, anyway, so this um, building is 160 floors. There's a scene in Mission Impossible where Tom Cruise is on the outside of the building by a cable. It's a pretty action-packed scene. They play that in one of their lobbies. You go up a couple levels at different stops, and then eventually it shoots you up. The um, So you can see all of Tom Cruise's scene and the making of the movie and how he was literally outside the building. Um, I saw recently there was a photo on Instagram or something like that of him literally sitting on the spire at the very, very top of this building. This building is oh, that's insane. I can't even think uh, about that. The no. building is 2,700 feet high. So it's basically, I believe that's over half a mile high. It's 160 stories. It's the, it has the most stories out of any building on earth. It is the largest freestanding structure. So obviously like as you're going up, they will show you, oh, we just passed the Eiffel Tower. 
Oh, oh we just passed cool. the Sears Tower. Oh, we just passed whatever the hell yeah. that was in China. And so, um, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And so, um, I got up to, I think I went to the lobby on the 126th floor. I could have gone a level up at 148 or something like that, like one stop up, I should say, at 148. That's like the highest place, but that was all like, penthouse and penthouse pricing. And since I was just there on a quick trip by myself, I was like, there's no way I'm paying like $300 to go up to oh, that. Was that how much it was? To get to that level. Oh, I went okay. to the one underneath. It was still $180 if okay. I remember, something like that. So um, worth every penny. You get up there, there's an observation deck. There, First off, there's like a little lady serving you sandwiches, going back to the food, incredible coffee, like espresso, you name it. Uh, so you have like your little snack and you have um, a little uh, cup of coffee. And then all of a sudden you look outside and you realize, holy cow, like you can see oh, I can't even think for miles and miles and miles. And it was kind of a, it was actually kind of a like a, a, a cloudy day a little bit the day I was up there. There's a building. Okay. There's a building in the same area that is 60 floors high. It's called the Colte Facades. It is a 60-story building, two two towers, two 60-story towers connected by an infinity pool in the middle of it. I could not see the people who were sunbathing or swimming in that pool, I couldn't see them. That's how high I was above them. I could see what the hell the structure was, but I couldn't see, like everything was fuzzy. That's how high we were above this place. So um, you took some amazing photos, which I'll post on Instagram. You could see the Persian, like on the one side, you could see the Persian Gulf. Um, and so you could take pictures. Like I tried to take pictures all the way around the building. We do have to post those. Like we got to do. We always talk about posting stuff and then we never get around to it, but we well, I do. We I should, post it on Instagram. You do, but yeah. I'm just saying like we have entire photo dumps we could do if people really wanted yeah, to go through sure. them. So, um, but that's, I don't know. It's like, I don't want it to be a traveling slideshow, but anyway, um, maybe I'll make them available if anybody's quaintly interested. Uh, so uh, all that to say though, uh, this building was incredible. It is the flagship of um, we haven't even talked about the architecture in Dubai. I know it's incredible. Um, whoever designed the, these buildings, um, all the designers of these buildings, when you're seeing these modern, uh, metallic and stone structures oh. that go up 60, 80 stories, whatever it may be, 50 stories, doesn't matter. And then you look at them and it's like, there's this distinctly Arabic feel yep. in the shapes and the designs to it. It's pretty intense. Like I could tell you as somebody got somebody who got happy that it, like I replaced a kitchen shelf once or a cabinet uh, drawer um, to see these buildings as a dude. I'm just like, holy shit. Like, like people built this thing. Yeah, it's it's pretty nuts. The, yeah. the architecture alone, uh, they have, they actually have the deepest dive pool in the world. I think it's like 200, 300, almost 300 feet deep or something like that. Where is it? It's just a structure in one of the hotels. Yeah. One of the buildings or the hotels you, you can go there. Yeah. If you're a diver, you can dive. It's the deepest pool you can dive in anywhere in the world. That's they crazy. have like so many structures there. And as you're going up the Burj Khalifa, they talk about like how the the emirs all got together and said we need to build we need to make this a destination. We want to like 
you know, I mean, look, uh, the Middle East is kind of a gnarly place sometimes. And uh, we've been going on now for about an hour and a half about, you know, um, uh, you know, Dubai as being this like beautiful place. I mean, it really is the shiny, happy face on for sure they the want, Arab world. Yeah, they want to bring Westerners in and they did an amazing job of doing it. It's tough to argue with it. I yeah, got to tell they you. Because they really cater to you too. Yeah. So it, you're right. It's it's very hard to argue it. Agreed. You're like, uh, I don't mind wearing pants all damn week if everything's like this. Yeah. So and um, yeah, it just uh, there there are so many things that like we haven't even talked about, like that they infuse that is obviously their culture. Westerners, like James said, have to um, have to be okay with it because you're visiting, but they make everything so lovely for you that you are like the prayer horn. They sound a prayer horn. Yeah throughout the day when it's time for prayer. Well, you know, as a Westerner, you're hearing the prayer horn, people are going to pray and um, look, you're visiting them. So you're just going to have to deal with that prayer horn. I got to say, you know, especially as a casual viewer of television and everything (laughs) and movies over the years, it's like when you hear those prayers, we've been sort of like it's dog whistle for us as Americans to be afraid. I know, um, it's true. So there was like that underlying current. Like you would think they're totally living in, you know, a backward society or what have you. However, the one advantage uh, that I've seen to their way of life is that they have a lot less homelessness as in almost zero compared yeah. to what we're used to. Definitely they 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 may in some people's mind be living backwards in certain, um, in certain rules that they have, but they're definitely modern on so many other things. And the homeless issue, definitely modern. The way they're handling their homeless issue is, um, the right way. And I don't know what way that is. Like I, I, I have to actually research it to tell you like, you know, um, where are the homeless people are, do they have shelters? Um, my guess is that they don't. And I'll tell you why. Um, a friend of mine is an executive at a production, uh, company, and she actually met with like one of the wives of one of the, um, families that runs the UAE, but she went there very high security. Obviously she's going to one of the monarchs houses. Uh, and, um, she said that she had tea. It was really lovely. It was, um, the wife plus a couple other people. And one of the questions that the wife asked her was, why don't Americans take care of their people? And my friend was really taken aback by that, did not expect that question. And she said, what do you, what do you mean by that? And she said, well, you let your people live on the street. She said, we take care of our people. She said, we would never let our people live on the street. So when we got back from Dubai and my friend told me that story, it made sense as to why we didn't see homeless people. Um, so to tell you that they have shelters set up, I'm guessing, but I don't think they do. Just from that woman who's married to one of the ruling class saying they take care of their own people makes me think that people must be living at home with their families. Now, it doesn't account for mental illness. Like, I don't know what they do with with that. Like, in America, if you have family members who are like, you know, have committed a crime or have been in and out of jail, you're not so prone to take them in and take care of them. But because crime really isn't an issue in, you know, a city like Dubai, then you talk about what makes someone homeless. If it's because... um, they're mentally ill, then um, what does Dubai do about their mentally ill? They must be doing something 
because we didn't see anybody living on the street and we traveled all over that city. I mean, we went to an area, we went through the historic district to the historic district. We went through a really rundown area, which is kind of funny to say that Dubai has a rundown area, but it's more of an area where all of the service workers live and you could see the apartments with like the yeah. lockers on the balconies and stuff like that. So it's like one of those situations where there's probably like five or six, you know, people live into an apartment. So when I say run down, that's the area I'm talking about still no homeless. So they have their mental illness taken care of somehow crime. We know isn't an well, issue. So much of homelessness is driven by, especially in the United States is driven by drug abuse and mental addiction illness, drug abuse and crime. And so, uh, when you're talking about a society that isn't very tolerant when it comes to a lot of bullshit, uh, let's face it, their drug abuse problem, their, their drug problem is a sliver of what the United States drug problem is. Um, you know, I'm sure it's a crime to be doing heroin out in the street, you know? Yeah. And so uh, removing that factor that contributes to homelessness. And then to your point, I mean, obviously there's some sort of infrastructure that when a person becomes uncontrollable, for lack of a better word, uh, to a family where they just can't provide the ne- what's needed for that person who has mental the health issues. The government must provide Then for obviously that. there's some sort of infrastructure there that, you know, it takes care of them. That's so. a deep dive and one that I haven't done, but it is noticeable. So if you go to visit Dubai, you will notice there's no homeless. Yeah. You know, for all of the things that we would sort of rip on them as Westerners, to uh, our friend's point, when she was visiting with her colleagues, uh, they have a handful of things they can lob back our way that we could be doing differently in our country. So um, so anyway, just, I don't know, moving on. Ended the trip with, um, I think the last day that we were there... We really just hung out in the area of the um, World Expo, enjoyed the last remaining um, hours of being there, and then headed back to the airport, which, by the way, uh, I don't know. This is a fun fact that James found out. They have 5,000 cab cars, so cabbies, 5,000 fleets of cars uh, that will take you anywhere around the city. So there's never a moment where you're waiting for a cab. Literally, we took our luggage, went down to the corner, got a cab within minutes. Yeah. Minutes, like like minutes. Like we didn't even have to like stand there for maybe like more than a couple. So yeah, that city has a fleet of 5,000 cabs to make sure you are everywhere you want to be yeah. when you want to be there. And there's never waiting. Yeah, that's right. I remember because we had to wake up at like four in the morning. We were just worried. I was so worried. About missing our flight. Yeah, because- that we weren't <laughs> to catch a cab though i was so worried we we're yeah. gonna catch a cab yeah. yeah totally and we booked it the night before and sure enough it came out and the guy was like totally waiting there ready to go yep so um all's well that ends well there i mean it was really an amazing trip it you know um we talk about some of these things that you know we've done at the top of the episode i listed all the places we've been this year it isn't really like oh, you know, beating my chest, like I've been here, I've been there or whatever. It really is just like to be that testament to somebody to say, hey, man, you know, you could really like travel a lot more no matter where you're from, uh, pick and choose your battles. And when the right opportunities fall in your lap, like Dubai fell for us, 
I mean, we, there's no way I could say no, given, you know, the, but the mere so fact But there's so many people that, that would, because it's frightening to travel that far. It really is scary to travel that far for some people. Some people don't like to leave their comfort zone. But look, we wouldn't be doing this show if we were two people who didn't like to leave our comfort zone. Yeah, So, you know, totally. uh, yeah. So you did the right thing. Well, so, you know, but again, it goes back to just, you know, I want to, uh, uh, I like the fact that we have spent the last year uh traveling to all these places and to be able to do it again next year going into 2023 uh you know anything we could do to sort of kick people in the ass and say hey man get out there there's a whole world out there no matter what your station no matter uh you know sort of where you are in your empty nesting and all that or how close you are um it's it's been an incredible year of like life-changing events as you know, it's been a handful of moments where I've questioned things, uh, but ultimately, uh, I wouldn't have traded a single minute of this past year, you know? That's so good to hear because yeah. I know it was hard for you, a lot of the stuff with selling the house, especially. Like, I had to handle my business, meaning literally my business, and you handled the house, and I know it was you know, we did not plan on selling the house as quickly as we did. We were going to yeah. do it at the end of 2022 or beginning of 2023. So to, to throw a house sale in with all of these uh, adventures we've taken, um, I know it really wore on you. So I'm glad to hear that you thought it was worth it. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got to take the good with the bad and uh, especially, you know, recognizing that like, uh, it was a very transitional time and to be on the other side of that and to be able to work remotely now, truly, uh, and to also be able to, you know, uh, obviously I'm looking forward to the next phase of jaunting around the country with you. Oh, um, I'm looking forward to it as well with you. You say that now. Um, I, I may quit again later. <laughs> And so, uh, but just, you know, like it, it really is, um, it really is a load off just knowing the kids are sort of in their own respective places in their lives and, you know, more or less taking care of their business. We've had some flare ups and stuff, you know, where the kids are sort of having tough times or whatever, but that's, you know, that's life that's to be expected. But, uh, as for this calendar year, I think this is the best way we could have like Dubai was really the crown jewel uh for us despite everywhere we've been in the United States or you know I should say North America um to be able to uh go there and be able to talk about it is just really uh what I hope in 2023 is a sign of more things to come I hope so as well. And it's funny because I've had people say to me, oh, Dubai's on my bucket list. Dubai never made my bucket list because it just didn't seem ever attainable. Yeah. I mean, it just didn't. And to go to a country so far away, not knowing anyone, uh, just wasn't something I thought I would ever do. So having Lily there, yeah. her feet on the ground, navigating for us where we should go, what we totally. should do, made all the difference in the world. So Lily, thank you for... Uh, the adventure that you gave us, something that James and I had never even considered. Again, it was not even on our bucket list. I mean, I know it wasn't on mine. Was it on yours? I mean, it's one of those places where it's like, yeah, you know, it'd be nice to visit there one but day. But was it on your bucket but, list? But I haven't been to Italy yet. Right. You know what so I mean? It wasn't so it's either, like, it was not on either of our bucket lists. So thank you so much. You, um, We couldn't have done it without you. <laughs> it should appear on a lot more bucket lists uh, based really on should. our experience there and yeah. uh, the opportunity Lily provided for us. So thank you again, Lily. Um a reminder to all those of you who are skipping town for Dubai for a couple of weeks that yep. you should really consider anytime mailbox 
I frankly have discovered that I like it most uh, now uh, that I don't have clutters and piles Junk of paperwork out. everywhere. Like yeah. I literally, I digitally just say no, 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 yes, no, no. It's so incredible, this service. Uh, I swear, I can't believe it only cost me like a couple hundred bucks a year. So to have somebody, you know, sort of sift Go through, through that mail. stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Which, you know, you think, oh, if somebody's going through my mail. <laughs> we don't have anything that like yeah. private anyway. Like, like what I do you really care. have? Like, yeah. you know, so no, for us, it's incredible. We get just what we want. Like he will look at it on his phone and he'll know there's two letters coming. One from like, you know, a doctor bill and yep. the other one from like maybe an insurance, like, you know, a uh, Car insurance, yeah, just more paperwork whatever. that is essential required paperwork. But you know, all the credit card offers, all the you know sales Gone. pitches, all that. In. It's like ding, 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 done. Seriously. So if you haven't had a chance yet, please head on over to skiptownallstars.com forward slash anytime and figure out how anytime mailbox can fit into your life. I promise you, you're going to come up with more than a few reasons. And I think that's it for our 2022 episodes. That's crazy. That's so crazy. I think if we've been doing it for a calendar year, I think this would technically be season two we're about to start, but... I know. So it's like season one and a half. We're we're like season (laughs) 0.5. Yeah. But anyway, it's been a dream. Thank you for all the opportunities to interact with you. We hope you guys have a happy, happy new year. Hope your holidays are going swell and we will talk to you soon. Yes. And look, we have loved any and all comments we receive. Even from the trolls. Even from the trolls. It means we're doing something right now that we have trolls and haters. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, we get messages on YouTube. We get messages on Instagram. We get messages on Facebook and we love them. It means that you're engaged and we like to be engaged with you. So if there's something you want to hear, please, by all means, um, shoot us an email. And if we can make it happen, we will. That's a wrap for 2022. Take them out. Empty nest, full Full tank. tank. Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys.